I'm Taylor. And I'm Mackenzie. And, and we're, we're twins. twins. I like starting things and sometimes finishing them. And I love talking about television, which made us want to deep dive into TV pilots. So join us each week as we analyze, dissect, and possibly even enjoy some of television's greatest opening episodes in From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That is an introduction that I stole from Dak Shepard and his podcast. Ooh. Anyway, welcome to From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie, where we talk about a different TV pilot every other week. This week we're talking about the pilot of, it's a big one, Lost. Ooh. And though our pilot is the main subject of discussion, as always, there will be spoilers for the rest of this series. And this week we will also answer a very important question. If you see a monstrous beast 10 feet away from you, should you try and get a closer look? I just don't think that's very hard, a hard question to answer. Are our burning questions too easy? Should we actually have a hard burning question next week? I mean, maybe they're meant to be sarcastic, so. Well, if you live on planet Earth, you've probably watched Lost or have heard about it because it aired in 2004. Uh, its air date is September 22nd, 2004, and I know that no one listening remembers our birthday, but it did air in our birthday. How old were we? Taylor, you might need to do that math. <laughs> uh, we were sophomores in high school. Okay. All right. So, 16. Well, yeah. We were just a couple little babies, little kittens. Well, we had just turned 16 that day. Uh, fun birthday treat for us. And I'm just going to clear the air here. We are born on the first day of fall, literally, like September 22nd is the first day of fall. So there's take a lot of summer. years. Yeah, take that. No, Suck I love summer. summer. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of pilots that end up airing on our birthday, which just maybe that makes it, this show is actually just conceptually providential that we are talking about debuts because they happen on our birthday. I don't know. That's just special. Do you feel like... TV shows were made for you because they air on our birthday so often. I kind of have that feeling a little bit. Well, it is like, ooh, let's cozy up and watch this new show. This is fun. Not that we're getting really any of that this year, but it's yep. fine. Well, okay, back to Lost. We know that it aired in 2004 on our birthday. Uh, it was created by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. And, you know, little known fact, yeah, J.J. Abrams did help create it, but he didn't do more than the pilot and, I think, a third season opener. So it's got a ton of his DNA all over it, but he he didn't help with the rest of the show. But he gets a lot of the credit. His figurative DNA, not his literal DNA. Um, I'm imagining him just being like, see ya, suckers. And yeah. Then Let me make a kajillion dollars from this. <laughs> well, in his defense, he had to go back to creating alias and like a second show he was already making so he was a very busy guy always is so we mentioned that we were just turning 16 sweet 16 my super sweet scene Mackenzie, do you remember like watching this for the first time or what is your history with it this is probably the show that i have the most history with watching the first time which is funny because it's such a big show that it feels kind of cliche to be like i totally remember watching this however this is both going to date me and make me just look really nerdy because 16-year-olds shouldn't be doing what I was doing as my intro to the show. So I was a cheerleader, and but I was also in band. So I was both nerdy and, I'm, I was going to say popular, that's not true. I was nerdy and had friends. Promiscuous. I don't know, whatever. What? Okay. 
<laughs> wow, that went a direction I didn't plan on it going. Thanks, Taylor. Okay, back to the subject at hand, my nerdiness. I used to love reading this little weekly Sunday newspaper that would get delivered called Parade Magazine. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, it yeah. like had all sorts of things for adults, but it had one little section that would talk about, you know, pop culture, entertainment and stuff. And I remember seeing the advertisement for Lost on there and it was like Lost in big letters. And I remember seeing it like September 22nd and I'm like, whoa, this show looks so cool. No one knew what it was about. I don't think I watched the promos really. I just had like seen this Parade Magazine Lost. article. And I remember telling our mom, I was like, mom, listen, we got to watch the show. Maybe I talked her into it because it was our birthday or something. But I just, I like to liken it to the fact that I just knew it was going to be a big deal and then we needed to watch it. So I like hounded her. What a fun birthday party. It's funny. It kind of makes me think about this moment from The Simpsons. Uh, Homer and Bart see this like five second commercial that just says, Gabbo, Gabbo, Gabbo. And then it ends and they don't know what it is. And the whole town keeps seeing these kind of ads. So that once the Gabbo show arrives, everyone's like, what is this? We have to know. I mean, that literally is like what this was because no one really knew what it was about. We knew there was like a survival aspect to it. But I like, I just thought it was going to be awesome. Imagine if the show was just like, this is a show about castaways and there's a smoke monster. He's crazy. It was going to be called Nowhere and I like Lost better. Do you have a history with this show? Do you remember watching it on that night with me? I have no memory of that. I was right. way too... Dr- no, I didn't drink. <laughs> Rewatching it now, I definitely was brought back to the the boiling of the blood of just like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful as the yes. you know, walking through the wreckage and everything. My personal memories from the show kind of kick in the later seasons when we would have little parties. Totally. Like I know multiple friends made like Dharma Initiative cookies and you know, made little labels like with yeah. canned food. And it was, I remember our high school friends coming over like every Wednesday and we would watch survivor and lost. And it was like a big deal to be at our house on Wednesdays and see what they got up to next. And now we just stream shows on our phone while we go to the bathroom and ignore we... each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Super it is, bleak. It was so fun reading about it. FYI, uh, real quick here. It was such a communal show and I've heard of so many people who would have lost parties and like it was the first, uh, really the first fandom of TV where the internet was utilized to talk about all the theories and stuff. And so it just really was such a fun, like, did you watch Lost last night? We don't have that experience anymore. It's all people being cynical on Reddit. Yeah, that part of it's really been lost. Oh, guys, there's going to be some plain puns today. (laughs) Uh, Well... (laughs) Okay, before things get too out of hand here, I'm going to do a plot summary. Okay. After Oceanic Flight 815 crashes on an island in the middle of the ocean, the survivors quickly realize that this won't be a tropical getaway. I hope we do Gilligan's Island at some point, and I'm just going to use that same plot (laughs) summary, but, you know, with the three-hour tour instead. Their tour boat crashes on an island. Basically the same show. As always, we're first going to get into scene one to see how the show sets the tone for the pilot. And boy, howdy, I have a lot stronger language that I am holding back on because do they ever set the scene? I remember uh, Matthew Fox saying just the concept of a man waking up in the middle of bamboo in a suit just being so intriguing. The question of where am I? 
that's how you sh- that's yes. how you start a mystery show you know absolutely well this is absolutely if we're going to talk about a show besides marvelous miss Maisel, this is the one to watch the beginning seven to ten minutes of because it right. is disorienting as all get out i watched it twice today and was just so disoriented both times in a really fun way <laughs> can you be disoriented in a fun way i don't know I, most definitely it's called alcohol um I found out a really cool thing, which is if you want to reenact this scene better, have your spouse or your friend hit you in the head with a frying pan and then watch it. Because then you'll be like, oh, what's going on? And it, what's happening? It's all the more real. You will feel like you are Jack. Well, can, can you like give us a quick, this is what's happening, if, if you want to drop people's memory, how does this literally open? Yeah, so it opens on Jack gaining consciousness. He sees the dog and then you get kind of some flying monkeys-esque creepy music. He rushes out to the beach, and then we hear like a kind of a faint scream. And you don't, you know, you never get a wide shot of what's going on. You follow Jack's close up as it slowly passes, you know, a burning engine, and then a person screaming, and some people on the ground, torn fuselage and a wing and broken in half. And then it kind of hits you slowly as it does him, you know, just looking from thing to thing. It really is disorienting. I think where it kind of finally grounds you is with that spinning engine. And I know that right. the actors have mentioned this in what I've read. And I had thought certainly like the moment you see that engine, you're like, someone's clearly going to get sucked into that thing and it's oh, going gosh. to explode. <laughs> and that happens. Kaboom. Yeah. You know, there is no like ramp up here. It is zero to a thousand. And this is one of those things where this is like why this pilot is so iconic because they don't tell us what's happening at all like here's what's about to happen there's no setup you are just thrown right into it i was holding my head in my hands watching it and i knew what was was going to happen but it's just such a visceral experience it's very fun to watch yeah and imagine inducing imagine a worse version of this where they start the show with jack talking to whoever he's next to on the plane yeah i'm a doctor and here's a little bit of my backstory exactly. and then the plane explodes oh no and then we're going down in the Bermuda Triangle, ah, you know, which is clearly much less effective. <laughs> One knock, I'm going to try and give my all of my negatives up front because I just have too many good things to say. But when Hurley takes Claire under the wing and then he's like, oh, no, it's going to fall. And they have to rush her out of there. The wing falls down and explodes in this gigantic fireball that like sets off multiple other explosions. And I'm wondering what exploded like. Is there major pockets of fuel inside the wing? It looks like it just kind of hit the sand a little bit. Right. And would it cause that? There was like fuel leaking out of the wing as it's panning across. So maybe. That wasn't fuel. That was airplane liquids. Liquidies. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) that's what we tell the kids when we're like, no, no one's dying. I don't know. I could be wrong there. (laughs) I think you're right. But I think they did just need another big kaboomy. There's a lot of talk in this pilot and when you read about it of who are people in a crisis, you know, what, how does each person react? And Jack is the person that reacts by literally running across the screen multiple times. He runs across the beach to go help different people because everyone is in peril. I think it's going to set Jack's character up 100%. It's not just that he's a doctor. It's like, which crisis is worst? How do you prioritize? Because in this whole pilot, he's not just prioritizing people's physical survival. He's also the one that goes and tries to look for the 
transceiver mm-hmm. in the cockpit and all of that stuff where he kind of ends up taking this role of the leader and this crisis management. You're getting to see that piece, you know, immediately. But it's such just a, again, the word visceral, that moment where it's like, oh no, there's a pregnant lady and someone stuck under the plane and then those people are about to get smushed. Which one do you go to first? If someone gets crushed by a plane, they're not smushed. That sounds like they're made out of clay, like they're gumby. <laughs> Again, that's, the, ki- that's, the, that's the kid version. I did. I let <laughs> okay, my six-year-old watch like a minute of of them on the beach just like talking. And he's like, what is this show? And I'm like, well, when a mommy and a daddy love each other. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but to your point, the amount of character building done without any dialogue is just fantastic. So I mentioned that I need to make sure that I get my negative viewpoints from the pilot out of my brain because otherwise I'll forget them and you will go on thinking that I just am not a critical thinker <laughs> that I was paid off by the giant ABC lost lobby and I'm not because we need more people my... to say how lost is great mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna give my main knock on the whole pilot I hope you have one so so I don't feel like I'm the only one knocking it but right. mine is similar to so many pilots is this pan across the beautiful ocean to a beautiful woman in her bikini taking off her shirt and then lingering why must they do that i thought lost would be better it was kate there was a a soulful moment of her looking out like what am i gonna do now isn't she like sort of supposed to be like bathing or something in the ocean yeah but that's not like better they could have just yeah lingered on her face i don't know it's very it it didn't offer anything to the character so i will give you that if it was very very important that her character has a flat stomach and (laughs) kick and bod right say kick and bod in this day and age i don't think so but you can if you want to i'm bringing it back (laughs) i think that's a very valid reason to knock a pilot because this pilot is so original that it's like you don't need that you don't need to be like all the other people who are showing lady parts because we're not even expecting that we're just like whoa there's a monster anyway my my one beef with this pilot and i guess with the show in general is i thought about it and looked back and i'm like oh yeah this is a really diverse show i like that they have stories of people from korea and iraq and you know we're not just getting an all-white cast And then when I watch the pilot again, it happens in two parts. We watched, you know, the first half, the first week, and then you come back the second Mm -hmm. week. But it's it's really all one thing that was shot together. And the whole first part is all about white people. And so it kind of makes you realize that all of the main, you know, quote, important main characters are all white. Then you've got these other side characters who are men and women of color. I don't know. I didn't love that they were pushed more to side characters and we do get their background and we do get more of who they are but it's in like seasons later so right i, I think they yeah. did a lot of colorblind casting which that's a phrase i don't believe in colorblindness as an idea um but that's what they did on gray's anatomy where they didn't say a race or body type or mm-hmm. whatever for the role they just said we want a, a man in his 40s and it could be any guy so I know that they did that type of casting here. and I heard that Oprah was almost cast as McDreamy. You know, that would have been something else. Just, <laughs> that was never going to fly. All that to say, I think they could have found some really great people. I do know that the woman who played Sun auditioned for Kate. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure why she didn't get that part. But they loved her so much that they gave her another role. Anyway, 
I'm glad that they included a lot of diverse cast, but I wish that they were a part of the principal cast. Now that I'm looking back at it, you know, in 2020. Totally. Mackenzie, I have a map of the world hanging next to me. And I'm looking like Australia, Fiji, like trying to picture where the plane went down. I should draw in a little lost island on this map. In any case, you make a good segue, not like my randomness just then. (laughs) You made a good segue talking about casting. So let's get into the production history. The biggest note that I think people will remember is that this pilot cost a ton to make. At that point, it was the most expensive pilot ever. (laughs) I loved hearing that the president of ABC at the time or whoever was in charge of this got fired for greenlighting it. If that's a way to go out, I mean, $14 million worth. Do you know what most of that went to? Yes, it went to Jack's hair budget. (laughs) It's basically a buzz cut. (laughs) J.J. Abrams, maybe, because he has, like, crazy hair. Most of it was to getting that plane and taking it apart and getting it to the beach, which that's a very a very fun fact. The plane was in the Mojave Desert. It was, you know, an old plane that had been used before. Did they ever consider just crashing a plane onto into Hawaii? Then you got all real wreckage? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe would have been less expensive to just crash a plane you already had. I don't know. Well, we already talked about J.J. Abrams and his big involvement in the show, but it was actually not his idea. There was another guy named Lloyd Braun who was in Hawaii with his family in 2001, and he had seen a very, like, short-lived reality show about people on an island called Lost, and then he went to Hawaii and watched Castaway that night in his hotel, and he kind of thought, if we, what if we merged, you know, people on an island together with the relational part and then Castaway of the survival part? And then he called J.J. Abrams, and he was hooked when, with the supernatural part. He didn't want to just do the survival part. J.J. liked the idea that there was something supernatural about it. He didn't call J.J. The executives fired the first guy because he kept rewriting <gasps> it, and it was terrible. I was taking the shortcut view. You were taking the Mackenzie, you're route. always lying to our listeners. You're a liar. <laughs> well, I think it gets I more can't. interesting when you hear about J.J., Okay. I'm still mad at J.J. for Star Wars, so I'm not going to talk about him. I think he's that dumb. son of a... No, I well, will just say quickly that watching this pilot and knowing that J.J. Abrams wrote it and thinking, how did he do this so well in a very short time span and ruin Star Wars so completely? It hurt my brain. It hurt it bad. At least with this one, there's so much original concept and he had, you know, decades of fans writing on his back so that's a good point it's interesting to think that they you know greenlit this giant budget and what really happens is like jj gets a call they got a green light for a two-hour pilot and then they only gave him 11 weeks to write it cast it shoot it cut it and turn it in which that's, crazy. that's just crazy <laughs> to give someone that big of a budget and then be like well good luck i won't give more praise to jj abrams even though i love alias and <laughs> All right, I have a lot of mixed feelings about them, so I won't go too deep into them. I will change the subject to casting. I thought some of the most interesting stuff that either of us read was on how this show was cast because it seemed as chaotic as the opening wreckage scene. It felt like they were just finding people they liked and, "Ah, let's just write a character for him. Oh, this character doesn't work? Let's just rewrite it and get this guy, like... Well, it kind of shows the like lightning in a bottle that they ended up having because that doesn't often go well in other shows. Yeah, the casting director, uh, she says, 
God only knows how it all worked out, because it was chaos. They were adding characters and changing others all the time. Hurley was originally a 50-year-old redneck NRA guy. (laughs) He ended up being played by Jorge because JJ's seen him the night before on Curb Your Enthusiasm playing a drug dealer. Which is hilarious, because he does not play a drug dealer. And the night before, like he's like, sure, I like that guy. You know my favorite piece of (laughs) casting trivia? That John Hamm came in to read for Jack. (laughs) Listen, I hate that guy so hard. Wait, are you just picturing Don Draper sitting on the beach smoking a cigar? Yeah, seriously. I mean, we know he looks good in a suit. So there there we go. This was before Mad Men, but I just could not have taken it seriously. I don't know if he has dramatic acting chops and he's not sympathetic. Have you watched Mad Men? I just thought it was very interesting. Uh, I watched a few episodes and I was like, wow, women are getting so pooped on that I just like couldn't handle it because it felt too much like real life so I do love him on 30 Rock very different character yes well I also love him on Parks and Rec where he plays an idiot for like one episode maybe that's (laughs) I just like seeing him in turmoil oh man going from John Hamm to a much less known actor at the time at least Evangeline Lilly I think she had only done like one commercial beforehand so that's an unknown quantity certainly uh reading that they weren't even sure if she could do the show because she didn't have her visa to come from Canada. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and imagine like if she had missed out on this and possibly her whole career afterward because just because she couldn't get a visa. It's very sad to think about. And then bouncing back to Dominic Monaghan. Oh because boy. I know you were pretty into some hobbits back in the day. I was quite the Pippin fan, okay? You weren't a Mary, a Mary girl? Wait, which one is he? I thought he was. <laughs> I really know my yeah, LOTR trivia. Okay. Mariadoc Brandybuck. Oh, oh gosh, he's so cute. You guys, you know that when I saw that he was going to be in this, in that parade magazine, I was like, all right, I'm going to get some hobbits up in here. No. <laughs> it's great. I, I loved reading about the fact that he got the call that he was up for the part the day after Return of the King won so many Oscars. And it's just like obviously such a swing for him, which is great because he really didn't want to be typecast. What did you say he had offers for all the time after Lord of the Rings? He's like, I keep getting offered parts to play elves and pixies and stuff. Oh, gosh. I can't picture him as a pixie. Like that seems very much no teenier than a hobbit even. I just want to yeah. see him on Lost Asking for like second breakfast <laughs> or, you know, elevensies. Yes, him him playing like a heroin addicted, washed up, you know. It's very different than cute little Maria Doc. Let me, I'm sorry. He's I thought so it sounds cute. cuter. So that's why I would think Pippin. it was. Um, okay. My my other favorite unknown would have to be Josh Holloway, who plays Sawyer. I like still have mixed feelings about his character because. Is it because you hate him, but you think he's so hot? I don't know. <gasps> okay. Mackenzie is blushing so hard right now. Oh my gosh. Mackenzie, no. I think my screen is messed up. You're like bright red. I think it's broken. She's sweating. Wait, she's fanning herself and saying, my stars. That, I just am not into rednecks, you know? I date, I I date, wow. I'm married. I've been married for 12 years. You did date him, yes. I like to date people who are tech executives in Seattle, so very different than rednecks. <laughs> I'm not into them. No, Um, good old Sawyer, he was literally about to quit acting before this. He had just gotten his real estate license in the mail like four days before he found out he got in the part because he was just done. He like tried to audition for a soap opera and didn't even get that part. And so he was just like, you know, it's kind of fun to see that you don't really want too many knowns in a show like this because yeah. 
I, I do think Dom Monaghan was the most famous guy, and that's really also only for like niche people who like nerdy movies. Um, you mean unniche people who love the best movies? Taylor's a big LOTR Did fan. Did you know that every single person on Earth loves Lord of the Rings? Okay, that is a that is a scientific fact. It's a fact. Well, mm-hmm. you did used to own the ring. I, I never wore the one ring around my neck. I am so cool. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do uh, one more quote. This one's from J.J. Abrams. He says, I got a call from the head of ABC telling me to make sure we shot an ending to the pilot so they could air it as a movie when it didn't get picked up as a series. I remember saying, if you tell me how to end it, I'll shoot it. They never responded. And to your point, it just how cinematic the pilot was. Yes. Let's imagine that alternate reality where this is just a two-hour movie. It it probably would have been really good, and we might still be talking about it today. I do wonder, how would you have ended that movie? Because he introduced a monster. And can you can you be like, and it's actually a little girl with a Super 8 camera, like, and a projector. No, it's, the, it's the dog Vincent, and he's like, I'm hungry. And then they're like, Vincent, you can talk. And then he's like, <laughs> and then everyone goes. And then they throw a polar bear at him. Okay, it's great. <laughs> we'll get to the polar bear. The most interesting fact after you go back and watch this pilot, because you all should, is that they shot the entire thing in 20 days, which is crazy when you think about this was supposed to just be a TV show because that's like, I mean, that would be a very low budget indie movie, but that's a lot longer than you're shooting an, any episode of tv oh yeah the only thing we see that now is like literally game of thrones or something where sure their shoots would take weeks but that's because that show is the biggest show there's ever been in history way to go jj and crew you pulled it off Army mckenzie we're gonna talk quickly about the title scene because it's about five seconds long can yeah. you make the noise for me <laughs> that sounded like that the old lady as, listening to a As played by a cat who's the On her Victrola. <laughs> her Victrola. Can you try it? No, I just have your cat <laughs> yeah. noise in my head now. Yeah. I've totally Bite forgotten me. what it sounds like. Bite me. <laughs> yeah, not much needs to be said about this other than it's quick, it's mysterious, it gets the job done. I've been thinking since last week about Everywhere You Look, the Full House theme song. And imagining how awesome it would be if Lost had like a an opening credits song <laughs> where you look to the different characters and like Sawyer uh, smoking, Hurley eating some sushi. I don't know. Hurley would be throwing Jack a frisbee and it'd be like, you all, everybody, we're on an island, right? Thank you for bringing up you yeah. all. You all, you all, everybody, everybody. you all. Okay. Thank you. We were huge Try to not get that fans. stuck in your head. Okay. <laughs> yeah drive shaft did you have anything else to mention about the music for the show we watched a very nerdy documentary about this show Nerds. 30 minutes on youtube maybe we'll include the link here it was actually very fun the making of the pilot and they talked about the scoring of the show in general and how they used a lot of unnatural things to try to just make the music feel uncomfortable puppies. and puppies yeah they used puppies no they actually used pieces of the plane wreckage. So when the plane shot was over, they like they took pieces of the plane out. They also used metal instruments instead of wood, and then they like ripped off the top of the piano and just used like kind of the the bare bones of the piano just to use both unconventional and conventional things in an unconventional way because it it just makes you uncomfortable. So like some of the um like timpani sounding percussion noises are actually 
pieces of the plane being hit with, you know, metal and things like that. So way to go, scoring guy. You. Composer. Composer. Michael Giugino. Mackenzie, should we start talking about our key storylines? We should make up like a, get like a key made and then I can hold it out to you. And it says storylines written on it. Well, let's get these key storylines on the Barbie. <laughs> no? Um, you I'm do bring just, up a good point Claire. here. Yeah. <laughs> She's the only Australian person on this flight from Sydney, which is a little ridiculous. But Maybe the rest of the Aussies died. Aww. <laughs> Speaking of people dying, are there no stewardesses or stewards alive? Do they? What's the word I'm thinking of? That Attendant. is interesting since they were in the front of the plane. But I mean, actually, the cockpit. They, all Do you the think they, the like, none of them dead. were wearing seatbelts? So they probably just flew out and are in the ocean somewhere. Oh, I'm yeah. sad now. I'm all sad. Well. All right. All right. Key storyline. <laughs> number one. Did you guys, you may have forgotten, but the plane crashes. Ooh. So that's number one. Yes. That's number one. Plane crash. <laughs> this is maybe my favorite scene in the pilot when Jack and Kate have a good old-fashioned meat cute Over some stitches. <laughs> some spinal surgery. <sighs> no, I, I think it's a funny little, like, you know, meat cute for these characters to have the first thing he says to him be like, can you come stitch me up? And it's actually the first moment that Jack is taking a second. He's just been running for God knows how long, fixing everyone else's problems. And then he, mm-hmm. ha- he realizes, like, oh, my gosh, I have a wound. And we get to see his kicking bud. Yeah, well, it's not that kicking. It's something I've been thinking about watching a lot of things recently. The way in which the most beautiful people from any given situation just meet each other. And of course they're going to get together because they're the most beautiful. Like, oh, I'm having my first alone time. Here comes the most beautiful woman in the cast. So I kind of wish that he'd, that this scene had instead been like a homely old widow. Or Hurley, and they bond and like throw oh. their hair- heads back together and laugh. They do <laughs> have some nice moments in the pilot. That sounds so. fantastic. I I giggled in my second watch through because Jack says, "Hey, do you have a second? To to Kate when she's like in the jungle, and I'm like, "What else does she have to do right now? Of course she has a second. Like that's just a funny thing to say when you've just landed on an island. She pulls out her cell phone and gives like a finger, like, "Oh, yes. sorry, one sec. Just hold on. But one of the most iconic things in the pilot happens in this moment where Jack tells the story of his very first spinal surgery, Mm. which goes wrong. And he says, you know, something about how he let the fear in for five seconds. He let himself be terrified. And then after he counted to five, he sucked it up and just finished it. And we will see this come back later in the pilot. It's such a moment of connection between them. And Well, it didn't feel terribly contrived, like exposition-y. It's good backstory, but I got the sense like, okay, he's telling the story because it's taking his mind off of the fact that he's being stitched up by a rando. Right. And, and it actually, I think, is to help her as well because she's really nervous. So he's trying to kind of share something to get her mind off of it. Also, when you're in shock, things just come out. You're going to think about, you know, the first time you were terrified to do something when you're in an island and everyone's dying around you. Did his story make you want to become a surgeon? Just never. <laughs> Not once. Nope. A follow-up question, have you ever tried the five-second thing? No. I'm a freaker-outer. <laughs> I would be more like Shannon just screaming on the beach, <laughs> like, incessantly, you know? I'm more like the uh, U.S. Marshal, you know, just, like, unconscious in the corner. You know me. Yeah. Shrapnel in your belly. Just chilling. 
<laughs> just chilling because you're gonna die. So before we get to the end of Act One, we have the first encounter with the monster. Ooh boy. That mechanical clicky growly sound. That's something I remember just really throwing me and making me realize that Lost was a different show. It wasn't really? just like a howl or it was just so foreign, you know? Absolutely. It shouldn't be there. It's very creepy. The one thing I really remembered about this moment in the pilot that I was happy to see when I watched it again was everybody's reactions as they're all standing on the beach. It's nighttime and they've got signal fires going and then they hear this sound and everybody starts to kind of line up all together just looking into the jungle and everybody's faces, you know, just staring into these palm trees. It's terrifying. And then you see like, there's almost this path that some monster is walking in where like trees are splitting and bending and snapping. And I've got a cool tidbit of how they did that if you wanna know. A tidbit. A quick tidbit. The crew took like smaller sections of bamboo trees and like palm branches and little mini palm trees, I don't know. And they shot them in front of a blue screen and like split them and stepped on them and they saw the movement and then they multiplied them, you know, quite a bit so that they could get the effect of something gigantic mm -hmm. stepping on them. So I thought that was neat that they just like spliced in their little movements among the trees. And it felt very like Star Wars-esque to me. I know you and mm. I are big Star Wars fans of this, the 70s era, not the J.J. Abrams era, sorry guy, where they used so many like organic sounds in to make the first Star Wars trilogy. They used real props and items like it, they didn't have CGI. So I thought that was kind of cool, something yeah. that sets this pilot apart. In 2004, they could have done all CGI sounds, things, you know, all electronic, but they used real palm trees or they used the parts of the plane. I think that definitely sets this apart as a creative endeavor. Yeah, I think aside from some CGI on the polar bear later, I don't think they used any, and they only used that because they kind of had to after some mishaps. I do love thinking about just the chaos with which this was made and how similar it is to A New Hope. Just no one right. knowing if this is going to be good at all. Yes. <laughs> and like all the dailies that you're shooting just looking pretty bad and wondering like, how are they going to cut this together? Like, am I a part of some, like, yeah. is are this we a gonna B have a job? movie? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yet maybe that means you're part of one of the greatest things ever done. So. I do remember one of the actors saying this is either going to be the best thing I've ever done or the absolute worst. So You're not going to hear something like that about Trolls World Tour. I don't I don't know if that's good, but I just assume no. I do have a question good. for you. Did you yes. watch it? I did with my kids. It was pretty good. Better than the original Trolls? Neither of them are that great, so that's <laughs> not we transition into yeah. the last 90 minutes of our episode, which is all about Trolls World Tour. All about Trolls. In case you I were know. hoping for that. I have an important question for you. Okay. Where does the oxygen masks coming down from the plane um, rank in terms of a list of all-time fears? I, listeners, you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head because that makes me feel sick to my stomach just thinking about. That is like the one thing I've thought about on a plane is like, well, if we're going to crash, we're going to crash, but I at least want to know how to get that thing on my face and my child's face. So. You can't see her, but she just puked. Yeah, just very, very daintily. She went, Meow. I, I puked into a little barf bag. I would consider myself a very good flyer. Turbulence doesn't throw me at all, really. But still, the the thought of using the oxygen masks is scary. I would like to, as a joke, tell the the attendant, 
Um, my my mask isn't the bag's not inflating. Is oxygen flowing? Just because they tell you every single darn. They probably flight. love you. Mm-hmm. As everyone's getting thrown around and you're making a joke. Yeah. Okay. Let's transition into our second key storyline, Mackenzie. What is it? Do you want me to say it in an Australian accent again? Kate and Charlie. So wait, no. Can you be British this time? Well, now we go on a trip. No. Oh. Wait, no. Be Sawyer. Be Sawyer. Oh, gosh. Dude, I can. That's one accent I can't do. Hey, darling. No. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that. Okay. Nope. Um, key storyline number two is the trek to the cockpit. It also ends up being kind of Kate and Charlie's story. So You want everybody. Woo. We see Jack, Kate, and Charlie head up to the cockpit to try to get the transceiver, which I keep wanting to call it the transponder, and that's not right. <laughs> He's a transponster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, this for me in the episode is where it changed from like, okay, it's about a plane crash, and then we're getting some kind of lighter moments on the beach to like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of like a horror movie. As they search for the cockpit and they know the monsters out there. Oh my gosh. There are three jump scares in within the span of like two minutes. The tone is shifts violently, but I do love the Greg Grunberg cameo. He's just very lovable. And I kind of wish my name was Greg Grunberg. Grunberg. Well, he gets eaten. So that's cool. Yeah. When the pilot like falls out of the cockpit, which is saying it lightly because that terrified me. (laughs) And they're all like gasping and them climbing up the cockpit and like falling. And Charlie grabs a guy's leg, a dead guy's leg to like pull himself up. It just was scary. And then Charlie, we learn about more him as a character because he's, why did he go to the cockpit? Why did Charlie sign up to go with Kate and Jack? Because he's withdrawaling from his drug from his narcotics looking for the drugs wait are they on my cockpit isn't i feel like he'd be like going out there to find drugs why else would he go he no i think he he was just like i need to go for a walk i'm i'm tweaking maybe i thought that his drugs were in the bathroom and that was in the cockpit that's not a thing (laughs) well is that you might be right we're gonna have to get some some listener feedback on that i had not considered that you all, well, everybody. My favorite thing about Charlie, the setup in this little voyage up to the cockpit, is how many questions he asks. It reminded me of when my husband and I used to take teams of students overseas, and we would get somewhere where we'd never been before, like Malaysia, like a different country that we'd never been. And they would be like, oh, so where's the bathroom? Oh, so, you know, have you been here before? Where's this? And it's like, no, none of us have been here. Like, be an adult read a sign ask someone for help and that was what charlie reminded of where he just was like so is is this working yet where do you think that is and he just reminded me of like a cute little a puppy cute little boy looking for answers a puppy boy yes he was a little annoying with the degree to which he was helpless i guess you would say well he's kind of like the little brother harshing on jack and kate's sexy vibe so if Charlie wasn't there, they would have just been macking on each other. While the smoke monster comes and eats the pilot. Yeah. All I was thinking when Greg Grunberg, is that his name? Greg Grunberg. When he stuck his head out of the cockpit to like look at what that was, I was like, who does that? No one in history. And here we are answering our burning question of the episode. There think, it is. Right? Yes, he is a big dummy. He, he asked to die. I think he said, smoke monster. Will you come get me with my Australian accent? 
That's that not even Australian. Good. That was very British. Would I you mean, get in the... You, you see Kate, like, she's, like, peering through the window of the cockpit trying to look. And I get that they're trying to see what it is. But to me, I would be trying to hide somewhere as good as possible so that it couldn't get me. This trek to the cockpit and the time they spend there, I feel like I was looking for promos the whole time. Like, bits of commercials. We're a thousand miles off course. Or Kate screaming Jack's name as they run away. It felt like you could have just done, you know, this whole scene right. as a promo. Yeah, it definitely takes a turn from being a show about surviving the elements to like, oh, this is a different kind of survival show. You've got to survive a freaking monster. Next season on Survivor, they yeah. also, someone's trying to murder them. They unleash a smoke monster. <laughs> this is where Kate counting comes back in, which she like goes into that cool tree and she's sobbing like kind of, I would be counting quietly because there's a monster. Can I do my impression of it? Yes, please. <laughs> like that? Is that good? She was a little bit more like coherent, but yeah, that was pretty. One, two. It's a great scene. And for somebody who'd only done a commercial, I think she is a great actress. Yes. I don't want to look at it as like, well, for a novice. But yeah, she was very good. I believe she was terrified. I could even like feel the warmth of me peeing down my leg hiding in the tree yes oh i'd be peeing so much there would be so much urine that it's it's funny too because charlie finds her and then all of a sudden the rain stops and it's like sunny and you you just totally get the sense like what the heck is happening with this island and then they find the dead pilot guy up in a tree the way they see the wings in the mud yes and then you see the puddle the reflection reflection in the tree that is some solid directing. Well done, JJ. Well done. We need a JJ sting for this episode. Yeah, I made a list of like iconic visuals from this pilot. And that is one of the other ones where they like look up and see him. Charlie says, how does something like that happen? And again, he's asking a stupid question. And I, I had a question for you because I feel like if any other character had asked that question, like if it was Jack or Kate, how did something like that happened it would have felt so expositional but because they already set charlie up to be Hmm. the kind of like where are we i need to go to the bathroom kind of character you know he's asking the question that we're all thinking like that guy is literally on top of a freaking tree and covered in blood like what is this monster but then he actually asked the question for us and that is the end of the act so he's kind of the perfect person right to ask that question he is i'm also imagining this show being aired on a more premium channel and the number of swears that would have been involved in all of this there would have been like thousands of them there was actually a line in our production history about how you know there was would have been a lot of great things about it being on a a streaming service and one of them being how much they would have sworn if you're on an island stranded so and you know realism realism is important yeah i don't want to see jack running through the wreckage oh shucks darn <laughs> that hurt Nuggets. darn it <laughs> corn dog all righty then we're going into key storyline number three is that australian i don't know i don't think i know what an australian accent it was a, it was a good attempt mate it this is our final storyline because we've got some more fun things to get into and this is actually the second act of the pilot right this is the second episode yes, begins here two. Part deuce. That was the whole first thing. What we just talked about was that's what you watched on September 22nd was that whole shebang, which is kind of exhausting, but so exhilarating. And I would have left being like, I cannot wait for next week. So this is our second oh, act yeah. that we're heading into. 
Yes. Key story on number three, the transceiver hike. Aww. And this is really just a, an opportunity to get to know some other characters outside of Charlie, Jack, and Kate. Here we get more time with Sawyer and Saeed. What a lovable duo they make, right? Oh my gosh. I forgot the first scene you see them together. They are slugging each other, and it's like a schoolyard fight, and you know Jack and Michael have to go break them up because Sawyer is fairly racist and is saying that Saeed tried to crash the plane. It does feel like such a natural character decision for this moment in time. All right, we're going to have an Iraqi character, but he's going to be a good guy with a tough, right. like with this past where he was in the Gulf War on the yeah. Iraqi side. Because we're not just going to have a character from the Middle East who is a terrorist. Like, that's terrible. Right. Um, yeah. But we are going to talk about that. Like, you know, it was smart, but predictable. And predictable that somebody like Sawyer, who, you know, he's just yes. not going to get in a fight. He's gone through something traumatic. And the way that he responds is to, like, pick a fight with somebody and pick the guy that, you know, maybe he thinks everybody else would pick on, too. I will say that whole storyline with Saeed and his, like, love in Iraq and then him having to interrogate people. I remember those episodes very vividly. He's such a good actor. Well, the second act is a great way to get to know these other characters where we've uh, kind of established what the show is and now we get to see a little bit more of what we're going to get from the show besides monsters and plane crashes. In regards to mystery, let's talk about the handcuffs. When you're building mystery, I mean, so often you're thinking about what is seen and what is not seen. So the sound of the monster in the first one, and then in part two, we just see these handcuffs, and like we're with Walt just looking at these like, what is right, why are these on the plane? Here? Like, this isn't good. Well, and then we head to Sawyer, and it's not a jump to think like, is this guy the criminal? So there's some little kind of underlying notions here of he seems like somebody who'd have a problem with the law. Yeah, what did you think of his little comment? He says like, all right, yeah, I'm the... I'm the criminal and you're the terrorist. We all play have a role to play. Like, it was a little meta. I don't know. What I really liked watching was Kate's face and her reactions when he was saying those things because mm. that's th- there's some kind of setup where she's really paying attention. And if you, if you watch the whole pilot knowing that she is the convict, you know, the guy who has the shrapnel in him is the U.S. Marshal that brought her in. And she keeps asking Jack, like, is he going to make it? And I'm like, what are you going to do, smother him with a pillow? Does she end up killing him? I don't know. Her, her face as they're fighting over, like, where'd you get this gun? I found it on the U.S. Marshal. Her whole kind of interaction around that. It's interesting that they set her up to be such a sympathetic, helpful character in the first act. So then when you find out that she is... The convict. I don't know if do you call him that. I don't know. That just is like from the office. Um, <laughs> she's the one the U.S. Marshal is is bringing in the criminal. Well, it, she wasn't wearing a purple bandana, so I was confused. Right. Did she go to no prison? No prison, Mike. No prison, Mike. Well, I feel like I need a little bell to ring, ding, 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 for these little <laughs> moments I keep bringing up of kind of what feels different or original about the show or what's kind of gonna suck me back in to watch again and Mm. this moment with kate you've just spent the last episode setting me up to believe that she's gonna be one thing and then i find out she's something else i'm gonna guess that this is gonna happen on this show that we're gonna get people's backstories that not everything as you know is as what it seems and that's not just the island or the monster it's the people and so there's just so many areas that i'm hooked and intrigued totally thinking about this exchange between sawyer and saeed and kate 
if I was Kate and I had the gun in my hand and <laughs> Sawyer says to me, I know your type, like, oh, you're the type of girl who's going to want to make love to me. I would have just shot him in the face and been like, who else is going to mess with me? You know? Well, it also, was... who else cares if he dies in that moment? Yeah. He'd been like, meh, I don't know. Charlie's Nobody probably like, that. hell yeah. Yeah. I can't say that I was super affected by Sawyer's backstory in later seasons to make him more sympathetic. I always hated him. I still hate him. <laughs> and the whole rewatch, I was just like, you are such a pompous a-hole. I, yeah, get him, smoke monster. Get him, smokey. Oh my gosh. But you know, there are a, there are so many likable people on this show with you know, with Jack and Charlie and Hurley and Claire. It You kind of need somebody where you're just like, well, you're not really a great person. Well, you do, but I'm like, I love to hate Umbridge in Harry Potter. Why right. don't Why don't yes. I love to hate Sawyer in the same way? Well, you'll get Ben Linus. So I do love to that guy. I was about to say something a lot worse. Maybe um, it's because Sawyer's hair looks too good, and I'm jealous. <laughs> you like the slick back? Is that is that I real? No, good grief! Know. I'm growing. I never it liked. I never looked back pandemic. cool smoking. Just you know, if you've ever wondered, you're smoking right now, and she's looks yeah, great. I look great. I got my hair slicked she's, back. She's smoking a, a Cruella Deville cigarette. It's really long. So we touched on it earlier a little bit. A very promo adjacent moment the polar bear (laughs) probably also one of the most contested like parts of the show is the polar bear like what does the polar bear mean and i don't think we ever got an answer for what the polar bear meant wasn't it like in the zoo the Dharma initiative zoo just me eating my words it's fine Um, 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 no it's fine i do very vividly remember the polar bear in the commercial and thinking okay (laughs) <laughs> I'm in. I love polar bears now. Uh, it's just such a wonderfully weird little detail. We both read about the fact that the show really was very like serialized in the way that it's it's in the area where it's 22 episodes per season and they were really just starting to go towards those, you know, premium content shows that are 10, 12 episodes per season. Mm-hmm. So this like the writers have to kind of write their way out of a hole every week or every season where they're just random thing. Here's a polar bear. We'll figure out how to get to that later. And that did end up biting lost in the butt several times over. Uh, But the show, as many people would say, the show was not just about the little weird tidbits that you wanted to find the loose ends for. It was also about the characters and just the weirdness in general. So I don't know. You can't please everybody. The video, which Mackenzie will link to in the show notes, it includes some very good footage of a stuffed polar bear being shot out of a <laughs> cannon at Sawyer and it looking uh. so ridiculous. I love that in this day and age with CGI, sometimes you still got to shoot a stuffed polar bear out of a cannon and see what looks better. And Spoiler, it was the CGI in this case. Yeah. JJ was like adamant about using this polar bear I remember reading that they ended up having to go back and add the CGI polar bear because people who saw the promos saw that a polar bear was in there and they freeze-framed it and like zoomed in because you could do that in 2004 and they realized like this is a fake freaking stuffed polar bear and it got a ton of flack. So that was the one moment that they had to like, you know, go back and and fix it. But when you're on That's when you're awesome. in Hawaii on an island shooting a crazy pilot, it's like, why not? Just throw a fuzzy polar bear at me. 
Give me another Mai Tai and throw in a polar bear. So yes, the polar bear charges. Sawyer shoots it 10 times, which I guess is how many bullets Ooh. it takes to down a polar bear. Do you sh- you it- always shoot the corpse, you know? Just what you do. <laughs> That's really sad, though. <laughs> to imagine just loading a polar bear full of more bullets. Okay. They move along through the island. They get to higher ground. They finally get a signal on their transponder. <laughs> and then they hear the French recording which Ooh. definitely drew me in well they have such hope like Charlie is like giddy for a minute and then they slowly realize like Saeed doing some freaking amazing math right there he's a pro but this has been going for like 16 years I can't imagine that feeling of we are never getting off this island oh yeah and then he gives the the great final line guys where are we dee Charlie again with the with the questions. I'm sure that somehow you know Dom Monahan was like, I I'm so happy I get to deliver the two silly lines to end these episodes. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's iconic. That's great. So yes, that is where the pilot wraps up. And while it wasn't flawless, I mean, nothing is flawless, but uh, the the questions they ask and the questions they yes. don't even give words to. I, I was looking all week and through multiple rewatches, just searching for things to to tear down in this <laughs> pilot. And I really came up mostly empty, aside mm. from maybe John Locke weirdly eating an orange and looking like a sex offender, like playing backgammon right. with a child. Yes. But John Locke is just a little weird. A strange guy. Mackenzie, shall we move into our special segment for the week? Do you want to sing the special segment song? I got nothing. Nothing? But you practiced. Okay. Um, do, you want me, do I say the name of the segment or do I say special segment? You say the name and segment. All right. Desert Island Items. No? It's good mood food. Wait. <laughs> Arby's? <laughs> yes. No, it would be Desert Island Items. That's me trying to say you all, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I like that a lot more. I don't think I've ever been to Arby's, so I don't know why that's in my head. Mackenzie, this is a show about an island which got me thinking about my desert island entertainment. Did it get you thinking about the same? Especially after I asked you to think about it. Yes, it it did once you asked me. (laughs) For the show, if we're doing some full disclosure here. Yeah, you know, it did. And it just shows something about my personality that I'm like, well, I might not do terribly only getting stuck with one or two things because I am such a six on the Enneagram that I will reread and we rewatch things all the time, even if I wasn't on a desert island. COVID right now kind of feels like I'm on a desert island mm-hmm. and I am literally listening to Harry Potter. And I am reading a book with my children about survival in the wilderness. So maybe there's like a, some sadistic like crossover here, but anyway. It's a very lost week. I was in the store the other day and they were selling volleyballs with the Wilson blood oh face on them. All right, okay. Mackenzie, hit me with your Desert Island book. To be honest, I was going to start with Harry Potter. And then I was like, that's just so basic. So I'm going to the next most basic answer, probably. <laughs> um, I would probably have to choose the Chronicles of Narnia series. Okay, and that fits in your hand, so I'll give it to you, even though it's six, seven books. I have a book that is all of them. So <gasps> take that. All right, I'm eating words. Nom, 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 nom. I have a guess for what yours is going to be. Is it going to be a cutout 
that has something else in it, like Dwight Schrute. <laughs> Physician's um, <laughs> desk reference hollowed out inside waterproof matches. No. The thing about Chronicles of Narnia that like slightly won it over for me with Harry Potter is it's very hopeful. Just if you haven't read it, the final book gives you so much hope about the idea of heaven. I was always afraid of like what the afterlife would be like. And reading that book, it was, it just literally filled me with hope. And Aslan is kind of cheeky. I love his character so much. And it's interesting enough and the stories are different enough that it wouldn't be boring to read over and over again. I probably would actually choose Harry Potter, but to not be basic, I'd go with Chronicles of Harry. <laughs> what about you? What's what's your book? Mine is Watership Down by Richard Adams. Oh, yeah. This is a book I've read a few times, and each time, I don't know if it's the writing, like the plotting is so good that I forget what happens. Hmm. Like somehow yeah. it's always a surprise. I'm always like, oh man, that happened, even though I've read it several times. You've read it since our childhood. But you You know, know, a a rereader has a great cast of characters. Those moments where you're like, oh, I can't wait for this. Or, oh, no, I don't want to live through that again. But you're like, you know, waiting for it. What else you got? Uh, Would you bring a certain TV show season on DVD or VHS? Or I'd have a cell phone and stream (laughs) it because it's 2020. You're on a desert island. You can't stream. How am I going to watch a VHS? How am I going to watch a VHS? you have you run a you ride a bicycle and it powers the VCR. I see. Okay, and a smoothie maker. That's what I'll <laughs> I'll have it generate a little blender for me. In order to not be the most basic person ever and say The Office, because literally that is the one that I would choose. I had to think long and hard about this because I take our podcasting career very seriously. Mm-hmm. I chose Jane the Virgin. I almost chose Psych because that show has a lot of variety and is funny. But I was thinking about it, I'm like, I want something that is funny. I almost chose Harry Potter as my book because it is funny and has those cheeky moments. So with Jane the Virgin, if you guys haven't watched it, you absolutely need to go watch it now. It's got heart, so you've got that in it. It's like sweet and it's also funny. It's And it's slapsticky funny and it's genuinely funny and the narrator of the show is amazingly funny. Do you wish your life was narrated like oh that? Oh my gosh, yes. When Mackenzie Grace Byersdorf was 11 years old, yeah. <laughs> and it's also dramatic. So it's like heart, funny, dramatic. There's, you know, shocking things that happen. And much like Watership Down, it's like, oh, right, that happened. So I feel like it could keep you going for a while. And there's five seasons. I'd laugh. I'd cry. I'd, <gasps> you know. <gasps> My stars. Yes. Gosh, Taylor, when have you ever said that in life? Uh, Dozens of times. Okay. My favorite Southern expression is, this Georgia flower is a wilden. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Uh, It's from something. I don't know. Okay. Have you ever been to the South? I've been to North Carolina. I know. I've been to Texas. Does that that count? (laughs) Yeah. That counts. Um, I would bring Community Season 1. See, I picked a whole show. Maybe I'm cheating, but... You brought the DVDs of Jane the Virgin, which are smaller. I brought the VHSs of Community. Okay, so you can only which fit. definitely don't exist. I'm oh my sure. gosh, because it didn't happen in that era. That's <laughs> yes. hilarious. Well, I yeah, it's just like I just want to pick a season. Community in general, I mean, the whole series is so varied in style. It would feel fresh so often. Right, entertaining. I also picked a movie, which is The Shawshank Redemption. Ooh. Its themes of hope would keep me going. I wouldn't dig a tunnel because I would just dig a tunnel to the ocean and that goes nowhere 
But Would you be sad because somebody goes free at the end and you're still stuck on an island? Well, maybe someone will rescue me. I don't know. I do remember <laughs> your staunch love for that movie. So, All that said, I think it's the perfect movie and I could watch it every day for the wow. rest of my life. That See, my movie would just be like Legally Blonde. I literally am Pam Beasley. I'm like Harry Potter and Legally Blonde. I could watch it every day. Elle Woods gives me hope. That's valid. I like that. I don't argue. I do need to give an honorable mention. Wait, can I guess it? Yes. Is it a book or a movie or a film? Book. Okay. Babysitter's Club, Christie's Big Day. Oh my gosh. No, the whole series actually. Um, Gosh, I freaking love the Babysitter's Club. So many good memories. Okay. It would be Island Island of the Blue Dolphins. Oh, solid. About a girl who survives on an island alone. And my kids and I are reading My Side of the Mountain right now, which is a kid in the Catskill Mountains learning how to survive. That's a great survival book. I remember he like oh, it really is. ate liver to get vitamin C or something. And he trains a pigeon. So it's like, listen, if I'm in a if I'm in a mountain land, I'll bring My Side of the Mountain. If I'm in the beach, I'll do Island of the Blue Dolphins, and that would be great. And I'd also bring the TV series alone because they would teach me how to survive. I'm set for life. Life Learn lessons. How to skin a deer. <laughs> I would pay money to watch you field dress a deer. Oh my gosh! <laughs> See, I would just pay someone to do it for me. So it's interesting to think about what you would do on the beach, which leads us into our key questions can we just go into our twin of the episode key questions we'll, we'll, we'll switch it up a little bit here sure is that Let's allowed twin it up right now. we can do whatever okay. we want i'm gonna add a new question because like just to prove that i can do whatever i want and you're gonna be so surprised you're gonna be like whoa was this written by the lost writers it's so surprising i don't know i don't even know what it is yet did so you want aragorn to show up <laughs> aragorn <laughs> Who could el- who could be an elf in this pilot? Okay. <laughs> All right, Tay. Who's your twin? Who who would you be most like as you end up on this desert island? My twin is a little guy named Boonley. Really? He's such a No, Boonley. I'm Boon Boonley. and Hurley. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> because at first I would be Boon. I would be like Okay, um, I want to find some way to help, but I don't have any skills for the, what's going on right now. And I'm just going to trick you out of me, everyone who doesn't actually need it and probably <laughs> kill them. <laughs> and I have, you know, a chiseled jaw, which I have going for me, you know. But once the shock wears off, I will become Hurley and I will summon my true strength and I will be helpful and I'll be cracking jokes. And I'll be giving people food and I'll be throwing my long, luscious curls back behind my ear. Are they, lu- they're not really luscious, but long your hair is like an inch and a half long so <laughs> do you did you have a favorite uh hurley joke from this pilot well my favorite hurley moment is when he passes out because he looks at the blood oh my gosh I, and and jack is like don't do it man and he's like i'm gonna it was it was very cute i like that boonly boonly twin who is your twin who's your triplet i'll make this quick first thought would be somebody dead because I would never live through something like this ever. I would mm-hmm. just be one of the dead bodies on the beach. I tell my husband all the time, he th- he is like convinced that he will live through any natural disaster that happens to him or any terrorist attack. He's like, this is what I do and this is how I'd live through it. And I'm like, if there was a tsunami, I'd just be like, take me away. Like, it's too stressful for me. Are you a part of I- his plans? Are you alive in these? 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's fending for himself. Now that I'm a mother, I get so stressed out thinking about like how I would care for my children. And what if I had to save one of them and not the other? Again, I have a twisted mind. So I'm just like, just take me now. Like, I don't want to live through any of this. <laughs> so I'd maybe be a dead person. I think Nicholas would do pretty good. Oh, don't even talk. Don't even mention their name. I will freak out thinking about <laughs> trying to save them. Weren't you the dead wife last time? Oops. Last time I was the dead wife. Okay, but my real one would probably be Charlie. <laughs> Listen, I don't do heroin, but I am totally like the kid sister who follows people around. And it's totally my Enneagram number. It's part of me being a twin and probably being, you know, we're the youngest of four siblings. Mm-hmm. I would kind of latch on to somebody and be like, cool, I'll go with you. I'm like definitely a team player, but I want to find somebody who seems like the leader. Mm-hmm. I have definitely asked stupid questions before just because I like, I kind of like to latch on to authority. I don't like to be the one in charge, but I will support and help the one who is. So would you sing, besides the drugs, where you lead, I will follow. No, I'm going to go more biblical route and be like, where you go, I go. Your God will okay. be my God. Your people will be my people you know was the gilmore girls theme song not taken directly from scripture probably it was pretty good (laughs) all right we let off with our big question but i'm wondering if you have any answer for this other question which is does the pilot have a message or what's it trying to say i think that it's trying to say that there are more to people than originally meets the eye Mm. we don't judge a monster by its cover yeah We see that like in the island, the crash is more than it seems. Kate is more than they seem. You know, Jack is kind of the straight man, but jerk. We'll we'll kind of see some of his demons later. But even Charlie, it's like, well, you're a drug addict. Or like Saeed, Sawyer's judging him that he's some terrorist. He actually is Iraqi and not like an American Iraqi, but he is smart, kind, you know, helpful, both in a sinister way and a, you know, hopeful way. There's kind of more to, there's a backstory for people. What about you? I got four words for you. Next time, fly Delta. (laughs) All right. Next time, kill me so I don't have to live through any of this. (laughs) I don't know how to ask this one either because the outcomes feel switched. I feel like landing the plane is a bad thing here because then there would be no show. So do they land the plane? Do they pull us slowly? We do see somebody get sucked into the jet engine. Yeah. So someone does literally pull a the accident <laughs> that happened to the Sully. I don't know. Uh, Much more gruesome. No, I think the episode accomplishes the opposite of what happened to these people. There they crashed, but it did not. How's that for a plain pun? That was a very good plain pun. Plain pun. Plain puns with Mackenzie. Do, do, do. Well... Is this pilot Tom Hanks, or is it the pilot that gets eaten by the smoke monster? I will center my answer around one word, which is immersive. We've talked so Hmm. much about this being cinematic and nearly being a movie instead, and that's not an experience that you you really come to television for. You're going into a story, certainly, but it's one that you jump in and out of 20 minutes you know, at a time. But to just be sucked into not a jet engine, but an episode like this is unprecedented, I think. 
you know, how often... Especially with commercial breaks, and that didn't even matter this time. You were right back in there. Right. But how often is a pilot, you know, the most remembered episode of a television show? So often shows succeed despite their pilot, but this is succeeding because of it. Not just that one good episode can set you on course forever, but the number of mysteries both explicitly stated and just implied the viewer is just given so many reasons to come back to this show both for the characters and the setting i think the fact that the production crew the writers didn't have any real idea where this was going how much of a success it would be it speaks to the wonderful chaos of it and how it was such a singular moment in culture can't be repeated i'm struggling for words in a very good way well i agree i don't know if there will be anything like this ever again in terms of the communal watching of even this pilot and how we all love to talk about our experiences with lost it's definitely not something that i think will happen again until they remake it with the rock and oprah and rebel wilson oh dear well, that leads really well right into our next question. That is true. If, Fortunate. If you want to talk about the the breakout star of the next series will be Oprah, because no one knows who she is. Um, <laughs> who is your breakout star of, of this one? I, this was an well, interesting question to think this, about. This isn't how we normally do it, but I'd like to mix it up here. Okay. Can we both say our breakout star on three? Yes. Okay, so it's going to be one, two, three, go, not one, two, go. Because that's just okay. nonsense. It should always be after three. I agree with you. One, two, three. Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Great twins think alike. Ooh. I'm going to knit that on a pillow, by the way. Okay. But honestly, you could have said like 10 different people and it would have been fine. A number of very little known actors. While not the most success for a lot of the cast afterwards, the success within the show seems like enough that you've broken out. You're you're done. You're good. And yeah, I don't know if we have a ton of like leading characters, you know, leading men and women for other series. But I think with Evangeline, she definitely has gotten, I think, some of the biggest movement after this. Uh, Josh Holloway is now in Yellowstone. Um, but is Matthew he a jerk? Box- he is he's a smooth talking jerk yeah but he's very he's got a suit he's like very different vibe he's like cleaned up version of sawyer um matthew fox who played jack he kind of purposely didn't go on to do much he did a few kind of low budget movies but his kind of all but left acting he's just like the famous guy um (laughs) and i i can appreciate daniel day kim who went on to do Hawaii Five-0, I think. Oh, he's yeah. just such a, a freaking likable person. I love watching him in other things because he's so warm and like gregarious. And you're like, wait, what? That's like <laughs> not what I yeah. saw from you in this show. This cast, they all do so well in their roles. And it doesn't feel like a stretch many other dramas where you're, I don't know, just thinking those are kind of throwaway characters. Maybe besides Boone and Shannon, everybody here kind of has something to say and... Yeah. When you see like Hurley pop up in a show every once in a while or it's fun <laughs> to be like, oh my gosh, I love you. <laughs> now Mackenzie, I mentioned I was going to add a new question just because I have to. It's about Aragorn, right? It's not about Aragorn. No. I okay. want to know who is the Joel in this episode? <laughs> Whose face do I want to punch? Yes. <laughs> right in his stupid face. Um, 
It's probably Boone. Uh, okay. Do I have any other face punchers? <laughs> You're dividing oh, life into face punchers and face punchies. <laughs> Maybe Jin, because he's like being real weird about his wife, telling her to button up her top collar. And I did want to punch I'm, her. I'm excited even thinking about their storyline and kind of where it goes from here. Is there, who's who's your Joel? Whose face do you want to punch? <laughs> I think right now, John Locke, you can't always put to words why you want to punch someone in the face. But yeah, maybe round, bald dome just looks punchable. <laughs> There's just that stupid orange joke, and Kate's like, that this is not the time. Orange, That's inappropriate. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to punch the pregnant lady? Is that, just throw that for wow, a Wow, Mackenzie. I don't know. She's a so pregnant what, puncher. That's what not to do. Basically, all I was thinking was, we haven't really talked about Claire, and I want to talk about Claire. And that's how I brought it up. My baby. Dingoes. (laughs) Maybe the the dingo ate your baby. When she puts Jin's hand on her belly, and he's so uncomfortable, but then it's like, you know. Yeah, she's she's so great. Her and Charlie's whatever that was. Man, and the whole thing about peanut butter, do you remember that? Guys, this show was so great. The first two seasons... I was telling Taylor before we started recording where Charlie's very much a spoiler, like gets kidnapped and then he's hanging in a tree and Jack has to pull him down and does like smashing CPR on him. I have never screamed, sobbed, cried more. I remember During a show. Just clutching. I I was with one of my high school besties. Were you there with me? We filled up a whole bucket of your tears. Yeah, I just was freaking out. Anyway, the show is so, so memorable. Yes, we need to wrap up, otherwise we will talk for the we'll rest reminisce. of eternity. We maybe we'll just do a lost, you know, a lost plus show. Some a other live, time a live stream where we just watch the whole series straight. You guys will love that. <laughs> so fun! All right, Mackenzie, put on your professional executive. You know what? Since this is very plane centric, you are an executive, but you're wearing a airline uniform. I'm thinking catch me if you can. Heck yeah. I'll take those outfits anyway. <laughs> would you pick up this show? I would say if my network had the cash to continue to fund this thing, which is shot in Hawaii and pay all these <laughs> actors, absolutely. I'm going to do exactly what they did. They got J.J. Abrams, who at the time was doing Alias and, you know, had a lot of clout. Maybe not upon seeing, you know, the dailies and like watching them create it where it's like, you're doing what to get what shot? You're throwing a polar bear. But after watching <laughs> the pilot, I I would be in 100%. Really want to push my creators to have a fine balance of the supernatural, weird, what is this, while also having interesting storylines. But they continued to do that for a long time. And it didn't get too weird until it got later real seasons. Weird, yeah. Yeah, it, later. It, yes. Well, let me let me be clear. It got real freaking weird, <laughs> but it didn't get too weird for a you know the right amount of time to keep viewers. So yeah, I would be picking that thing up. Well, I don't know if money is a factor for you or the dope suit you're wearing, but if you are network Tay Tay, and you've got the cash, would you pick up Lost after the pilot? I'm wearing a suit made out of smoke monster, so it's like all swirly. Ooh. It's pretty cool. You've mentioned dumb questions from Charlie multiple times tonight, <laughs> and this is like the dumbest question I've ever heard. It is. So I can imagine yeah. Charlie asking this. I just have so many w- strong words to say that it's just like, 
get out of here. Of course, you do bring up a couple of good points. The cost, it makes me think like they ha- they'll have to do some bottle episodes to keep the cost down. Maybe it was, that's what that whole Paolo and whoever story where they die oh, of that. What a waste what the of hell was thing or that? whatever. Yeah, that was yes. really weird. But you also mentioned walking the line between sci-fi and character arc and thinking, I can imagine myself as an executive watching this pilot and thinking there's no way they are going to be able to keep this up. Like That, that would... is actually what someone literally said. How are you going to keep this up every week? Well, yeah, that would lead me to say maybe we should just make this into a movie now because then right. it will be very good. Keep it successful. Yeah, and that is very anti-capitalist, like let's just milk this for as long as we can. <laughs> so maybe it would be a, a franchise And that is of what movies. they do. They wanted to make 10 seasons of this and the creators were like i'm sorry do you know what we have to go through to write these things so yes i guess what i'm saying is my expectations wouldn't be crazily high we talked a couple episodes ago about the marvelous mrs Maisel and the the infinite possibilities that lived within her eyes in the final shot i don't think the mystery of loss leads to that infinite possibility it leads to you know you have a secret and i want to know it right but it doesn't mean like it's going to be good. <laughs> so I wouldn't expect the show to go on for that long. Like if this had been a three season show, that would have been perfectly fine. We, I do think that that's what they should have done. And again, this was in that era where it was right on the cusp of beginning to think about make shows like Breaking Bad or even Jane the Virgin, where they had a very clear vision of where they wanted their characters to go and they wanted to wrap the storyline up. But this, yeah. that, that was just about to begin and we're still you know, make it as much money so as we can for as long as we can. So it's kind of sad. I really do wish what I, you know, what would we have been able to get out of the series if they had known how they were going to wrap it up in a mm-hmm. a tight and wonderful, you know, three-season arc. That would have yeah. been cool. One day when it gets remade. My gosh. Well, that leads me to what I want to ask you to wrap up this show. Okay. This has been fun. There's been so much not said. And... I would love to just ask you. I mean, we didn't even talk about the finale. And I know that's a funny thing to talk about if you're talking about a pilot. But if you have been alive on the earth and you've heard of Lost, you know that the finale was the most polarizing thing since, like, The Sopranos, I think. Polarizing. Um, Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Do you have any other, like, stray thoughts, things you remember from Lost, something you want to share, a a scene you could never get out of your head, you know, because the show is so much bigger than the pilot. That is such a great question. There are so many moments. You could just rapid fire them if you want. I will give two. The moment when the hatch lights up at the end of the first season just blew my mind. Yes. And then going into the hatch. So I've rewatched the first season three or four times. And the last couple I've told myself, I'm just watching season one. But then I got (laughs) to season two. I was like, well, I have to go into the hatch. Yes. That, That was a cliffhanger for the ages. What about you? I remember being so thrown off by the whole opening scene with Desmond getting ready in the hatch because we Mm -hmm. had zero context for it. And it reminded me of the pilot where they're throwing you in sight unseen. And I'm like, there's a record playing. We're listening to this music. Anyway, that was really cool. I can't go on without saying not Penny's boat. That's just, I remember being so happy that Charlie got to end in a heroic way because he did not begin heroically. And... If y'all just want to go Google on, look up on YouTube, Charlie hanging, Jack CPR, whatever. 
go watch that scene. I did it beforehand. I was basically crying watching it now. It's such a great show, guys. It's a lot of fun. Don't watch it with your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Don't watch most of Lost with your young kids. Well said. Ooh, ooh, did we talk about punching Ben in the face? Did we talk about him being the the pace the face puncher <laughs> he's not in the pilot but he is so punchable and he gets just gonna, he gets beat up in the face like thoroughly by someone i forget who have you ever felt more sinisterly happy like who <laughs> i love when someone gets beat up only when it's ben linus i don't condone that for anybody else yeah that's a very good point i think that's a great place to end <laughs> just ben linus getting punched right in the face you're the joel of this show <laughs> it feels almost sad for whichever show is going to come next but we are continuing on so here's the theme song for next week's show Thanks so much for listening this week. We love dissecting these pilots together and it is so fun to share it with all of you. If you have enjoyed our podcast, there are three easy ways you can share and interact with us. First, make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Second, share our show with a friend and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. These reviews actually help more people to find our show. Finally, we love interacting with you. We wanna hear about which pilot you want us to analyze next your twin of the episode, or if you've got a beef with one of our opinions. So come and find us at fromthetoppod.com and on Instagram and Facebook at fromthetoppod. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next time on From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie. <laughs>